Hello and welcome back to the Drew View. In today's show, we're going to be talking about the fact that DA Alvin Bragg is suing Jim Jordan for trying to hold him accountable. And we're going to be talking about what Biden running in 2024 means for the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, and the country as a whole. I'm Drew Bennett, and you're listening to The Drew View. Alrighty, folks, before I get too far into it, I am going to just say sorry, because once again, I was informed that on Monday, I forgot the question of the day again. So I think kind of to help myself out, help me remember more, I'm going to be trying to do a question of the day every day. Now, I bet you half the time I'll probably forget anyway, but my goal is going to be to ask one every day, at least that I can remember, just so that way you guys get some trivia questions, I suppose. So without further ado, today's question of the day, this week's whatever you want to call it, because I'm going to be doing one tomorrow too. So today's question of the day is, who was the first president to die while in office? That is, who was the first president to die while in office? Now, I will give you a hint on this one. I have talked about this guy on a previous episode of the show, just in case you're wondering. Alrighty, so if you haven't heard by now, the Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg is suing Jim Jordan, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee who has subpoenaed a few people surrounding the Trump indictment, as well as I think Bragg, to kind of get to the bottom of the motivation for this, why it happened, all all of this, to kind of get down to the bottom of this persecution that everybody is seeing as completely politically driven. So all Jim Jordan did was subpoenaed a couple people. He wants to look into this as any normal, rational individual would. Well, Alvin Bragg, as comes to no surprise to anybody, wants no part of it. He's taken to Twitter and social media and all these different things, and he said that it's an unprecedentedly brazen and unconstitutional attack by members of Congress on an ongoing uh, New York State criminal prosecution and investigation of former President Donald John Trump. So he's suing him over this. I don't know exactly how this is worthy of, you know, suing someone who is a chairman of a committee in Congress, but really it's pretty simple. These people in the House and Senate subpoena people all the time. It's not like it's just. Alvin Bragg that they subpoena it, or any of the people surrounding this case. It's it happens all the time. These people come in and testify before Congress. But this is a prime example of when something like this happens where they're attacking President Trump or someone on the right, and the person who is responsible wants to bear absolutely no responsibility for their actions. They want to get off completely scot-free. And if anyone so much as tries to hold them accountable or tries to show how unjust the actions are that they're taking, this is what you get hit with. You get hit with the lawsuit. And Alvin Bragg, in one of his tweets that he put out, was mentioning how Manhattan is one of the safest big cities or the safest big city in America. And I just had to crack up. You could not pay me. A thousand, you, uh, I don't even know what it would take 
for me to walk by myself in downtown Manhattan at night. I don't know if anyone would. And the fact that you're so, you know, so ignorant to think that Manhattan is a safe city or one of the safest cities. I mean, I know that you have to say that, but man, you really make yourself look like, and this is what I've said all along, Alvin Bragg over the past couple days, weeks, months, whatever, he's really made himself look like a DA, and I'm not talking about a district attorney, if you know what I mean. He has just made a complete and utter fool of himself because he wants to take all of these actions. Nobody is above the law. Nobody's above the law. Trump's not above the law. We got to go after him. White collar crime. Boom, boom, boom. Hillary Clinton did the same thing when she created the Steele dossier, except she did this times 10 because she spent about 1.2 million or, you know, it was over a million, something like that, for this fake steel dossier thing that she paid for. And this was something she admitted to, but this $130,000 payment that Trump made, that's the one that gets all of the attention. But of course, of course, nobody's above the law. How dare you think that anyone's above the law? Nobody's above the law in New York. No. But anyway, he says nobody's above the law. And then he gets subpoenaed to go testify before the House Judiciary Committee. And what happens? He files a lawsuit over it. And he's like, nope, I'm not going. There was a temper tantrum. And could you imagine if that was you or I who are listening to this? If you or I got subpoenaed to go somewhere, we had to go to some committee to testify about something, and we just we just filed a lawsuit and said that, no, we, we're not doing it. No, that's mean. They shouldn't do that. It's unconstitutional, and it's unprecedentedly brazen. I'm, I'm not doing it. Can you imagine if we tried that? I mean, I hope, I hope whoever looks into this just tosses it out and says, you, Mr. Bragg, are also not above the law. Go testify before the House and Senate and show how much of a DA you are. Like, I tell you what, if it was any other individual, they would laugh this off. But probably because it's Bragg, they're just going to say, oh, yep. Yeah, we got to make sure Trump looks bad and we look like the good guys for going after him. We don't look like the fools that we are. It's absolutely ridiculous. Alrighty, so in other news, we have President Joe Biden. I don't know if people have been calling it like a gaffe. I don't know if that's just because like he bump like babbled a bunch of complete incoherent nonsense before he said this, or if they were talking about the actual statement. I don't really like the guy is a walking gaffe. All he when he opens his mouth, it's a gaffe. I don't know, like you can't really call anything he says a gaffe unless you just label every single word that comes out of his mouth a gaffe because the guy just doesn't know what he's talking about doesn't know where he's at it's it's again it's it's really sad man my gosh now i can't speak i think it's gotten to me i'm over here if it's a true and imaginary pressure uh, what where am i idaho iowa what gosh it's sad man i feel so bad for the guy but anyway he announced that well he's planning to run in 2024 which I guess it doesn't surprise me because a lot of people had said that if the primaries go good for the Democrats, which they did definitely because Republicans were talking about a red wave that completely did not happen. People were saying that Democrats would probably put Biden back up and have him run again if they did well in 2022, which they did. So that's kind of what I thought was going to be happening. But, you know, he's on there talking about how he's going to be 
participating and, and, you know, he's planning on running again. But the thing that that makes me think is the Democratic Party is the party that claims to be the ones that speak for all the minorities in this group and that group and this, the third, whatever. They claim to speak for the poor and, you know, the the common man and the minority, all of that. That's who the Democratic Party tries to market themselves toward. And again, young people as well. They're really big on getting young people on board. And out of all people, the past couple election cycles, you have had like Biden and Bernie, the probably two of the oldest guys in politics, the oldest white dudes in politics. It's like you're supposed to be representing like minorities and this, that and the third. And it's like, but you you won't let them you won't let him run for president. You'll like, yeah, you can be vice president, but you, you ain't going to be running for president. And I think it's it's very simple. It's because people see those like Kamala Harris, who are literally just picked for affirmative action reasons, literally explicitly stated that it's for minor, you know, picking minorities. But she's a horrible politician. Like she would never be able to win any sort of election in a general election, even if she was going against Trump, of all people who, you know, all the people on the left completely despise. I think even then you would have people that are like, I don't know if we can do this Kamala Harris girl. So we're either just not going to vote or we're going to vote for Trump. Like, I think I think they realize that she's not a viable candidate. So it really comes down to, again, it's going to come down to a Biden and a Bernie type, you know, someone who's a socialist type person. And honestly, it's so funny to me because you have someone like Bernie, who's the guy is so freaking old. And yet he's he's the one that all the young people are like, yeah, that guy, like you pick the guy that is older than Biden, who right now is the oldest president in American history. And you pick, I mean, you pick an even older guy. It's like all the young people relate most to an 81 year old white man. Like that's really bad for your party. That's supposed to be representing young people and minorities and this, then the third, but nope, our leading candidate, our two leading candidates in the last election were two guys who were going to be in their 80s by the end of their presidency. And what is it going to be this year? I mean, it begs the question, who's going to run against Biden? Are you going to have Gavin Newsom? I mean, he's been thrown out there, but he's not been proven on a national level. He's in California, which I think deters a lot of people immediately. Like the guy was a disaster on the pandemic. He has watched, you know, he's been governor as California has taken an absolute nosedive. I mean, it's a horrible place that I don't know if anybody would want to live there with between the cost of living and the homeless crisis there. It's just an absolute disaster over there. And then you've got who else? Like, who else do the Democrats have to put up? Again, we've talked about Kamala Harris, one of the worst politicians, worst speakers in the history of this country. You have people like Pete Buttigieg, which he's the transportation secretary. He was missing in action for like four months and nobody noticed. And then in East Palestine, he was a disaster on that. And he didn't go until later. And then he went and talked to about five people and you know, two weeks, three weeks after it happened and called it good enough and left, didn't really do anything to help or anything like that. I mean, nobody really knows who the guy is anymore. It's really going to come down to being Biden again. And then, I mean, 
there's got to be some far left person that they're going to throw up. I don't think AOC will run, but it's going to be someone, a Bernie Sanders type. I mean, that poor guy, if he runs again and the Dems screw him over, I don't know what they're going to do. But anyway, you know, they're going to find some far left crazy that they're going to throw up. And that's probably who's going to go the furthest against Biden. But it'll probably end up being Biden again. And the disaster is that he's going to be like pushing 90 by the end of his presidency if he runs again and wins. Like, what a disaster. And on the Republican side, you've got polls that have shown Trump beating DeSantis even in the state of Florida, which is, again, something that should give DeSantis some EVGBs. Like, Trump is probably going to win. And what are we going to see? It's probably going to be another Trump v. Biden. And here's going to be the biggest thing in that race. People now have a side-by-side. You have four years under President Trump. You have four years under President Biden, which were better. If you say that the four-year... Okay, yes. If you want to take into account the pandemic. I think taking into account the pandemic and just pretending that that was all Trump's fault, which, I mean, it was obviously, as he would say, it came from China. It was China's fault. It was all their fault. But, you know, if even if you blame Trump for all of it, I still think that we did better under him because at least we had three years of prosperity. Yeah, we had one year that you can toss out. It was in the dumps. It was a crappy year. But at least we had three really good years. Under Biden, it has been a total nosedive since he got in office. The economy, the border, our military, and how weak we look with Afghanistan and then with what's happening with Russia and Ukraine and then China and Taiwan. It's just an absolute disaster. And if people can seriously look at that side by side and say either that their life was better under Biden or that their life was better under Trump, but I don't care. The guy has mean tweets. We're going for Biden. Like either of those, if you can be in either of those camps, I just don't understand it. When I had Jake on the show, I don't know if, what was that, two weeks ago now? But when I had him on the show, even he was like, one thing I do know is I had more money in my wallet when I when Trump was in office. I was able to afford more things when he was in office. Now I have to decide whether I want to pay for my groceries or pay for my gas. I have to make that decision. I can't just do both. And that's the thing that I hope a lot of people realize is that, yes, Donald Trump is not a polished politician. He is not the best person. But man, when you look at how the four years that he was president went compared to the four years that the guy who's in office right now have went, I mean, it's not been four years. It's only been, what, two and a half? I guess not quite. A little over. Oh, yeah. You know, two and a quarter, two and a third, whatever you want to say, years under Biden. It's not gone so great. And unless there is a complete 360, which I highly, highly doubt, I just don't see how you can look at the two and say, I preferred the four years under Biden. But I think the biggest thing is going to be how are Republicans going to message? Are they going to stay on message or is Trump going to be Trump? And is he going to sit there and attack, 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 make a fool out of himself and then lose, even though if it was literally any other person with any other name that had any better control of their thumbs, it would be a total, total blowout. I mean, I'm talking like a Ronald Reagan second term blowout. 
I think it's a reflection on America that the candidates that are most likely, I mean, right now are probably favored to go up against each other are Trump and Biden. Like, out of all people, and I know people say this over and over, but out of all people, that's really the best we got. I know a lot of Republicans really love Trump. You know, that's, I guess that's the one difference. A lot of Republicans love Trump. I don't think a lot of Democrats love Biden. I really don't. I don't know if there's a single Democrat that loves Biden. They stand the guy because he isn't Donald Trump. And they'll sit there and defend the guy and then go laugh it off because you realize how foolish it is that they're defending this guy who's totally indefensible. But that's the thing is so many people love Trump and a lot of people have just, yeah, they can stand Biden. But it'll really be interesting when it comes crunch time, if those are the two candidates that were given, how it plays out. It will be super interesting. It'll be interesting to see with how the Trump trial or whatever indictment, whatever you want to call it, goes. It'll be interesting to see where that goes and how that plays into the primaries and different things like that. And it'll also be interesting to see who else the Democrats throw up. Are they just going to hand it to Biden or are they going to try and get him out of there and replace him with someone else? It'll be interesting to see. I really just hope that both of, I just wish that both of them would get out of politics and we could maybe have two rational individuals go on a debate stage and talk about merit instead of one just saying, wrong, you're totally wrong, you don't know what you're talking about, and the other one can't put a sentence together. Just, uh, come on, man. He's the worst president in American history. Yeah. Like, it's such a disaster watching those two on a debate stage and saying, this is America, here are your choices, ladies and gentlemen. And, again, that's no disrespect to either of the two. One was a former president and one is our current president. you got to respect them for that. I know it's a very tough job and I know that it's not for the faint of heart, but I just think that we have so many better choices. And again, that's not a knock on the two that we have and it's not a knock on people who vote for the two that we have. I just think we seriously need to get some more intellectual people that will go on a debate stage and actually talk about merit and speak about things that matter to the American people and not just sit there and talk about nonsense about their personal lives that nobody cares about, no voter cares about. People care about kitchen table issues, whether you like to admit it or not. People care about the economy. People care about the southern border. People care about the opioid crisis. People care about these things. They don't care about what Hunter Biden did six years ago, what Hillary did with her emails, what Trump did with paying Stormy Daniels or any of that. People don't care about that stuff. Yes, people probably care about Trump getting indicted or things like that. But by and large, people do not care about these politicians' personal lives. Why can't we just get over that and start talking about merit? But no, we're going to waste our breath and we're going to waste our time talking about personal issues that don't matter to the voters. I think it's about time we find some politicians who can actually relate to people and who aren't 80 years old with one foot in the grave and the other one fallen in, trying to act like they can resonate with everyday Americans without being completely controlled by members of their party. Why can't we have people who think for themselves? Why can't we have people who are young and bright and have new ideas to bring the, to the table. 
And I understand older people usually have more wisdom, but if you look at the two that we have in off or the two that we have that are our most likely candidates for 2024, those two don't look like two that have a whole lot of wisdom. Or if they do, one of them is in a mentally declining state and the other one still acts like he's 12. I don't want a dementia patient or a high school bully running my country. Give me someone better. Alrighty, before I forget the answer to the question of the day is, drumroll please, William Henry Harrison. So I did talk about him when I was talking about the Whig Party, but William Henry Harrison, he was the first person to die in office, and it is believed that because he gave the longest inaugural address to date, that he gave himself a sickness. I forget what they say it is. It's one of these sicknesses. And he pretty much died from that. So, ironically, he has the longest inaugural address in American history and the shortest term as president because he died so early on. But that is the answer to that question. So congrats if you got that right. Alrighty, folks, thank you guys for sticking around until the end of this episode. I did get through a little bit more of the book that the uh, troll sent me. Big cheat, how Donald Trump fleeced America and enriched himself and his family. I did get through a little bit of that, and I'm going to be going through the first chapter because I, I got a good chuckle out of it. I thought it was ridiculously funny because it was ridiculous. But I got through a little bit of that, and I will be sharing that with you one of these days when I you know, stop rambling and give myself time to talk about it. But anyway, you know, I, I get passionate. What can I say? I start talking about something and I go on and on and on. That's what this is all about, right? That's why I'm talking into a microphone. But anyway, so I will be getting that to you guys at some point in the future. I'm going to end now with my closing prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for another day that you've given us. Thank you for this platform that you've given me. Father, I just ask that you give me wisdom in what I'm saying, I just ask that you allow what you want my audience to hear be the words that come out of my mouth. Father, if there are any words that are inconsistent with your will, I just ask that my listeners not even pay attention to those. Father, I just ask that you be with our country, be with our leaders, be with just our people, and you help us. Give us wisdom. Give our leaders wisdom. Help us to just be more like you. Give each other grace. Show each other mercy. And just do these things that you would do. Help us be a reflection of you to those around us. We love you, we praise you, and in Jesus' name, amen. As always, guys, I just want to remind you to subscribe to the channel. Make sure you're sharing the channel with your friends so we can help grow this community. Let them know what's going on over here at the Drew View. I can't wait to see you guys back here again tomorrow for the last episode of the week. But until then, stay blessed.